sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Now it's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. We're going to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. And I'm in the company this week of Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJBL. What are we going to talk about today, Russ? Oil, I think. And the reason I'm going to talk about, I'd like to talk about oil, if I may, is that nobody's asking me about it. And the very rare occasions when they do, it's generally with a negative tone to their question. So I'm, I'm, I'm instantly intrigued. The only other thing that I've there's the only other thing that's come onto my agenda in that respect is that somebody has described something as uninvestable to me this week. I think that's always really interesting. Mm-hmm. Turkey. Now I can see why, because let's face it, it's got an inflation problem. It's it's run by somebody whose monetary policies have been extremely unorthodox, um, <laughs> to say the least. But he's now talking about changing that. He's now appointed a more orthodox foreign minister. So let's see. Now, admittedly, the BIST 100 index is already pretty much at record highs because, surprise, surprise, the locals have been looking for assets as a hedge against inflation. Mm. So the BIST 100 has actually gone up like a rocket. It's gone up more than double in the last couple of years. But nevertheless, I would be intrigued if there's any flavor of economic orthodoxy in Turkey as to what the market might do. But uh, but I think in general, emerging markets have been in the doldrums for a very long time. So, again, that's intuitively interesting when the only questions I am getting that are coming with a positive tone are America and tech, tech in America, America and tech and tech in America. So, you know, in, in that respect, I, I'm, those are the sort of things that are, are rattling around. Mm. But oil equally uh, similarly viewed negatively, I guess for good, you could argue environmentally good long-term reasons, we're all looking to get towards net zero by 2050. And in the short term, you know, the the the, the, the mantra, the narrative very much remains, well, there's a, there's a recession risk out there. And that's one of, that's held up as a major reason why oil is weak. And actually, I'm led to believe by the Wall Street Journal and other esteemed organs that there's a big opposition out there by traders right now, uh, 50 million barrels, which uh, is partly is uh, out of recession concerns, which is fascinating because obviously the stock market is telling me everything's all right, really, and there's going to be a soft Mm. landing or no landing at all. So on balance, either stock market investors are wrong or oil traders are badly wrong. So again, I mean, I mean, intrigued, instantly intrigued by, by, by that sort of. Uh, contradiction. Um, and I guess the other reason for the bearish commentary is that we've had the second Saudi Arabian slash OPEC plus production cut in three months, and it hasn't provided much support to the share price, uh, to the oil price. Equally, you know, you look at oil, if there are 50 million barrels shorts out there, might not take too much for traders to start scrambling about. And, and although I'm a terrible trader and, and, and was, you know, my trading desk at UBS, whenever I told them something, I always used to do the exact 180 and probably do far better out of it because I'm just not a short-term yeah. – I'd like to think I'm just not a short-term person at all. But I do understand that in the short term, the key things that they take mar- market momentum are leverage and positioning. And if you've got a huge short position out there that's probably funded by margin, if it starts to go wrong, the opposite will start to happen really, really quickly. So just as a technical point of view, that's something that's well worth following on oil, and you can follow that on the CFTC uh, website anyway. So that's intuitively interesting. If the stock market's right, and it could well be, it's smart, and that the economy chugs along okay, then that could be a potential positive for oil. But more fundamentally, we are, whether we like it or not, still addicted to the stuff. And the you know the, the, the International Energy Agency is saying that oil demand will reach a record high this year as it grows again, and yet supply is not growing. And it's not growing because 
we don't want it to. We're telling oil companies not to drill. So they're being good corporate and environmental citizens and not knocking huge numbers of new holes in the earth's <laughs> crust. Um, shale oil production in America is not growing because the Democrats don't want it to for their environmental reasons. And depletion rates and the Permian Basin in, in, in Texas are, are still very high. And the Baker Hughes rig count is has receded very rapidly in the last two or three weeks. So in that respect, if oil demand does keep on going up, and it's really rare that it doesn't, even during a recession, oil demand generally tends to hang pretty tough and supply is not growing as fast as demand, then at some stage, at some stage, you might just start to expect the oil price to catch a bid with potential knock-on effect in lots of areas, whether it's oil stocks, oil equipment stocks, or more widely, dare one say it, inflation and central bank policy. They were a good moment for us to pause. We'll be back in just a moment. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation with Ross Mould, Vajay Bell. So you being very much uh, the contrarian, um, think oil may have um, a way to motor on the upside. So for in- investors, what are we talking about? Because, I mean, for a lot of fund managers now, the big oil majors are problematic, aren't they? But, and, and yeah, and, and I completely accept that. And I, and I accept that as an investor, there'll be a lot of people who will just be rolling their eyes and just going, what on earth is he talking about? Why do we want to touch this filthy stuff? And, and, and I thoroughly get it. ESG screens will just more or less wipe them out. Although I do notice that there are some ESG funds that include big Exxon and big oil companies say, well, they're the best of the breed and they're the ones that have got the making the most progress towards being green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, if you are looking at an ESG fund, you, it, it then depends on how strict you personally wish to be, because there's no golden rule for, for, for how these things are treated. But, yeah, lots of ESG environmentally or, and oriented investors will just roll their eyes and go, blah, not interested. So, um, so if you're not if you're not bothered by that or you think that eventually there'll be a shift anyway and we just must use oil while while we still Wait, i think the managing of the transition is the key issue here yeah. yes absolutely correct and it's not going to be as easy as we think as even yeah. the gmb has been stating mm-hmm. this week in its discussions with the labor party i believe it, 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 so is it like um is it like gold shares where if you pick the wrong one you're stuffed and you oh, need a portfolio well, lots sit, or can you just you, choose one of the big majors if you, if you go, if you, i put i mean given that you could easily be badly wrong on oil and let's face it i've had plenty of practice everybody um then first of all yes probably stick with a, a couple of the majors because if not they aren't going to go foot and from underneath you and they probably will still generate cash and still pay a bit of a dividend if you want to get all hot and bothered about it you can start playing around with junior drillers and explorers but i would you know i'm not a geologist i have no angle there at all the last time i think i looked at one of these was hurricane energy which didn't exactly work out desperately well so in that respect, um, I think if you are going to get involved in junior driller land, you're going to have to have a basket of them or go, th- go in through a fund. I think it's a Guinness fund. I think there's a fund in, in there that just specializes in oil. There'll be passive instruments that track baskets of oil companies. And the other thing to look at, you've got in the US, you've got um, pipeline and transport funds, MLP funds, um, which actually don't aren't really, the business there isn't driven by price. It's driven by volume. But nevertheless, they tend to trade off oil price and gas prices anyway. Uh, and 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 after that, yeah, you 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 can go through funds that are particularly overweight, or you can j- just go go in through the oil equipment and services companies, who, let's face it, have had a very very fallow 
five, six, seven, eight years, because that's when CapEx peaked as a percentage of sales mm-hmm. and the oil companies went through two big price dips. They've gone through all the environmental pressures. They are spending very heavily. Um, and again, if, if it turns out the world just doesn't need more oil than we, than we hope or expect or, or think, then probably the really beaten down stocks are actually the oil equipment and service company. There aren't many left in the, you, you've got Petrofac, Weir and Hunting in the UK. They've all got different business mixes mm. and different challenges. The US, you've got you know, Halliburton and Schlumberger. So, so there are things that you can do there and again, or you can again find a, find a basket of them or, or dig around and go into their sub-suppliers, mm. steel tubing providers like Pressure Technologies uh, uh, on AIM and Valorec of France. So there, there are lots of different things that you can do. But there's a, and then there's some European ones like Cypem, like Technip, like Sub C7. So the various companies you can you can look at. But overall, clearly bear in mind that you know e- even oil is probably barely 10% of the FTSE 100. So don't go overboard whatever you do and put all yes. of your stuff in this because nobody does know where oil is going. And, and as we know, when things get a trend, mm-hmm. they can go on for a lot longer than you think. But I think overall, you can do it. Fund, direct equity, oil equipment and services. Probably a blend of the three would be no would be a sensible way of managing your risk. Um, just very briefly, because we're almost out of time, but we talk a lot about value investing and um, the converse, um, going for growth. Um, but are there ways of investing in a contrarian manner if you don't necessarily know what the market is actually doing? Are there fund managers who specialise in that? There'll be lots who say they do. Yeah, and I think then that's just a matter of, I mean, clearly, I'm sure Jonathan Ruffer would view himself as a as a, as a very clear oh, contrarian, yeah, yes, yes. Um, without a shadow of a doubt. And 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 I don't I don't think they're intentionally part of the paired up awkward squad, but nevertheless, they do try and think in a more you know uh, lateral fashion, and and they're generally and their record is very very good at it. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's it's uh, I, it's a quote I was looking at uh, thinking of from from Ben Graham, Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett's mentor, mm. the other day, which I was I came across again by fluke. The best investment returns are reaped by realists who buy from pessimists and sell to optimists. Excellent. Russ, a good moment for us to end. Thank you very much indeed to Russ Mould of AJ Bell. Uh, That is it, though, for this week from the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.